How are we doing? I'm David. I'm Phil. And I'm Andy. And this is Talking Cod. Three northern blokes talking about middle life and growing old disgracefully. Frank, fearless, funny. In other words, Talking Cod. Good afternoon, Codmasters. Good afternoon. Well, hello. Hang on a second. <laughs> Dave, you sound a bit weird. What's going on there? <laughs> Where's I've Dave? I've got a cold. <laughs> I've got a cold. <laughs> no way. So um, I believe yeah. that Dave has either been replaced or he's just doing some peddling as he usually does. Um, Phil, yeah. who's your mate? Yes, Dave is peddling his way ac- across Scotland, apparently, uh, which is uh, very nice. This is uh, we've invited uh, my, my my good pal Bo, um, um, uh, Bo Stymier. Um Hello, Bo. <laughs> Did you say uh, Steve Harmer? Then? Say we, my surname again. <laughs> Stymier, isn't it? Come on, that was right. <laughs> it's good. Just was call me close? Steam Hammer. Yay! <laughs> Steam Hammer. I prefer Steam Hammer because it's just so cool. It's very Thor esque. <laughs> Um, Bo, I mean, we know each other from the the sort of TV world. Bo's CEO and, well, of of The Fence, which is a BAFTA and Oscar award-winning TV company. Um, Anyone that knows uh, my octopus friend will will know one of uh, uh, Off The the Fence's big, big hits. uh, um, But he's recently written a book about finding authenticity and purpose in yourself, which is called Wake Up, Rise and Shine. Um, So it's a great read. We've both got it. And um, we're just chuffed that Bo's um, come along and and wanted to be an honorary codmaster for this one episode whilst Dave's away. Indeed. It's nice to meet you, Bo. And if I enjoy it, he might never come back. I'll have my ways. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we've um, we've dropped Dave because of his big head, um, and we've brought <laughs> Bowen off the bench. This is like something from the Euros, isn't it? <laughs> Very timely. Very indeed, timely. Indeed. Yes. Well, it's it's a, it's yeah. a real pleasure to meet you, Bo. Uh, we, we we we've been speaking over the last week about you know how we do want this to go. We've got our very own first guest, which sounds like we're getting quite serious about this podcast malarkey. From three guys just sitting around having a bit of a chat and a laugh, talking about weird and random stuff, to actually having a guest, and not just any old guest, a guest who's actually pretty intelligent. Bit unlike us. Could I could I have that in writing, please? (laughs) Um, Legally, I'm not too sure I'm allowed to do that. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, since we've met, I've actually changed my opinion of you. I must admit, some of the stuff that's come out of your mouth last week has been quite enlightening uh, for different ways. Mm, So, um, no, genuinely, it is um, it is a pleasure to meet you. Um, And I, I started to read your book, and I start to read many books. But I got past the first page, which is a huge compliment to you. So it's uh, that's good. But the, the content, especially as the font is very big. But it is, yeah. <laughs> it was like um, up to year seven size standard um, of size of letters, so I could follow it quite well. I had to use my finger to go across a little bit. And go, <laughs> exactly. But, if you uh, get two, if you get two boards, start coloring in the vowels. <laughs> oh, what a great idea! I get some wax crayons and eat them halfway through. Um, no, genuinely, really nice to meet you. Um, conversation we had last week just felt like you just slotted in with the with the Cobmasters instantly. And I know that Dave's gutted 
it is, uh, he sent us a message. He's peddling the West Highland way. He's gutted and he even thought about pulling over so we can just join him for this conversation. But might be the last we've ever heard of Dave this, actually, if, if you're any good. But... <laughs> Touch wood. <laughs> so, what have you been up to, guys? Well, it's it's been Father's Day, hasn't it? Um, you know, so that was my, I used to have a joke with my little girl that it was father's week, which kind of, you know, worked when she was like three or four, you know, so I've got the whole week beforehand of being looked after. Now it's like, no, it's not. You'd be lucky to get an hour. So, um, but we had a great time. It's brilliant. I just, I don't know. I just think I, I appreciate it more and more when it gets to father's day, just as a, just as a reflection, you know, just I spent the whole day just, she must have thought I was right, Loom, but I just spent the whole day just glancing at her and smiling, you know. I, I just, I think I've just got to this point in life where all of a sudden, you know, it's not that, I mean, it is obviously, it was, wasn't it just invented by some greetings card company to sell more cards or something no, like I've that. No, I've read the think, history of this. Oh, is that an no, urban I've read, myth? I've read the history of this, but I won't, I won't cut across you too much. Oh. <laughs> you have to tell me more, but it was, but you know, I just really felt great. We, we went out for some tweet and then I carried on smiling. But by the time we'd been to my mum and dad's and uh, my wife's mum and dad's and come back, I'd had quite a few beers. So I think the smiling about Daisy and being chuffed with 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 what with what 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 I got was was kind of probably replaced by a sort of slightly drunken oh. smile, but it was good all the same, you know. Just you know, just really appreciated the day. About yourself, Bo, what did you get up to? No, no, it's it's. I mean, what Phil what Phil said, it's absolutely uh, correct. Like Father's Day is one of those, you know, wake up in the morning, you know, have a coffee, have a great great time with the kids, but also you know throughout the day you kind of pull back and you kind of go wow dad because you know i think most dads feel like kids still and you kind of pull out it's like wow how much responsibility do i have and what does it mean anyway being a father and then you know deep thinker that i am i pull back even further and kind of go well you know being is fathering children and there's fathering business and then there's fathering community and fathering the world and it's sort of um yeah i think every single father's day i have a little bit of a midlife crisis (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i i I think it's it's funny because i was thinking about sort of the midlife thing because i i we had our little girl quite late in life we had to have we had like ivf and it was kind of a bit of a struggle so you know it it made it all all the better for, for you know the minute she arrived and and almost I was thinking about this midlife thing, sort of I think my parents and the generation before them, they would have probably been in the forties. They would have been, you know, pre midlife crisis mm. <laughs> one at the point the kids had fly, flown the nest. And it's almost like I just feel like, you know, going through that midlife sort of wait wait you know, waver, um because little and you know, she's there and she needs your support. It almost like it, it like just feels like aligns better. You know, the fact that I I'm looking for meaning in life, and therefore there, there, there's a, a kid that needs that sort of support and that nurture. So I, th- I think this 
It was just something interesting. Like if you were a generation ago, you hit 40 and your kids had buggered off and then the midlife crisis hit, you'd be going, oh, God, you know, shit, what, what do I do now? What, what is my purpose? So I don't, I don't know. I think it's quite interesting just just being a bit older when you have kids. So is your strategy then to have another kid in 10 years' time just to keep you younger? So you live God, no, like one of these ageing nightclub bosses, <laughs> Pete, Peter Stringfellow or what have you. I don't know, yeah. Um, no, no, I mean, like I say, the, the one's surely enough, you know. Um, but I, I just, you know, I suppose by then she'll be in her teens as well, which is the, the next sort of worrying mm. chapter. I think everything, I, th- I don't think I will be smiling at her, um, you know, inanely, you know, on Father's Day when she's 16, 17 and been out well, all night. Well, let's hope then... not. That would be quite creepy. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure, you know, but, you know, it's all those phases, isn't it? You know, it all changes. The start, it's just like a, they're just a, a, a little bag of flesh and limbs and, and they, they sort of smile at you occasionally between crying and crapping and then... They start talking, you know, uh, you know, not for me, not long after she started talking, it was this thing of like, just always, I was always wrong about stuff and that's continued. That's been what, five, six, seven years or what have you, you know, but these, these phases that they go through, um, I think it's just, it's just something you, you're aware of in the moment and then it, then it, then it changes and it's something else, you know. So, yeah. Bo, you, you started to just touch on something a little bit deep there, didn't you, about what fatherhood is? What, what, is it, what does it mean to you? Well, it was, I think, I think a year ago, my firstborn, my son, turned 10. And I had this moment of, you know, I have this responsibility of, you know, I need to teach. I need to pass something on, you know, this sort of, you know, the rite of passage, becoming a man. And I think during these, I think it was his birthday, and it was also his Father's Day. Like, what's the meaning of being a father, and what is, what's, what do I pass on to him? And that's sort of when I really kind of had my sort of my midlife crisis began. It's like, well, what does it mean being a man? And also, this sort of <clears throat> being in my forties, the way I was being brought up, and what's the function of a man in society, and mm. what does it all mean? It's definitely it's changing so rapid, you know. And right now. Also, right now, being a middle-aged, Caucasian, middle-class man is pretty uncool. Mm. And like, how do mm. so? Which bit of me do you pass on? Which bits do you kind of mm. make sure get phased out very quickly because they're of no use anymore? And suddenly, <clears throat> I think that spurred the beginning of the book, where I was like, "Well, what what does it mean to be a man? And which bits of us do we instill in, especially my boy?" But also like my girl, who's two years younger than him, she's coming up the ranks as well. And sort of, mm. <clears throat> I dived into like, what, what does new, what's the new masculinity? Like, what is the function of being a man in the future? Because, um, I mean, I'm going to go really deep now, but you know, we've been, we've been in, in a sort of patriotic system for the last, I don't know, 6,000 years mm. where, you know, men rule the roost. We bring home the bacon. We, do the jobs, we do the hard labor, but some of the softer skills were always left to the women. And we very quickly realized, wait a minute, you know, 
the modern man can be just as soft and just as gentle and emotional and also, um, <clears throat> especially within that vulnerable space, there's a lot of strength, right? It's okay to be sad and it's okay to be not good at your job. Um, but it's not really being taught to us. So we kind of have to make it up on the spot. Yeah. And that's when I thought, well, let's, let's, let's dig deeper. Like how, how do we, how do we do this better? Because right now we, being a father, you hold a lot of responsibility because that's where change happens, right? Off I went. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like a a deep, a deep journey. And when we were speaking earlier in the week, we spoke about, you know, where these conversations can go. Your description was golden ass, wasn't it? Um, I I would consider this gold, this topic. Um, And I must admit, you know, when I started reading the book and when Phil said, hey, my mate Bo, he's, you know, he's pretty clever. He's been thinking about similar stuff to us. And, And I remember... I saw your YouTube video and I started reading a bit about the book and I'm like, you know what? That's actually one of the problems I had about 10 years ago. It's like, how do, how do you function as a father now? Because my dad had it completely different. And you know, our previous generations for millennia have had it completely different. So suddenly we have to do different things, um, not complaining, just identifying that actually, you know, the, the modern husband, the modern father has to have some sensitivity and develop emotional intelligence. Mm. Whereas my dad, if I was, yeah. you know, at my dad's age, I'd be able to just go to the social club after work and have a few pints, play some darts and play play snooker, whatever, come back, get up, go to work in the morning. My job was literally, as you said, bring home the bacon, support the family. Yeah. So like, so now it, there's, there's this theme of equality going on, which which I've got no problem. I love the, I love the idea of equality, but... I must admit, I felt a little bit unprepared for you know for for parenting mm. just per se because yeah. this is not how my dad did it. So what what's, what's your take on you know how how that's changed over the last you know, the most recent generations? Well, I think <clears throat> these things like what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? They're like such deeply instilled values that you know that the society gives you. It's like you don't even have an option. And when we are, when we grow up and we're very sort of susceptible to these rules, um, we just we just absorb them like sponges, right? And I had this sort of this little anecdote that really freaked me out um, at the speed of which things are changing. And um, as you can see, I've got a big beard, <clears throat> and um, I stopped shaving once my second one was born because I just didn't have the time. <laughs> and and then you know. Ten years later, this thing happened. I was in Soho, and I looked around, and there were all these bearded fellows around me. And suddenly, it was pretty cool having a beard. But because I had, like, five years on them, I was, like, super cool. Like, I was, like, page three facial hair material. And I was, like, I was, like, rocking Soho house. I was, like, you know, I was, like, it. Um, And then, (laughs) like, four months later... I look around and it was sort of clean shaven faces everywhere and I had the equivalent of like a mullet in my face because I was so out of trend <laughs> and I was like how quickly society subliminally just changes something becomes cool and yeah. all I did is stood still and I went from super cool to super uncool within like 12 mm. months and then I was like yeah. that's pretty scary how 
this system that we can't really touch or see or dictate just like does its thing mm. and that's just the cycle of a, of a quick sort of you know facial trend facial follicle trend but if you look at that if you take that over a hundred years and you go back or even go further back to like um roman times and you know and the empire what does caesar mean and i think there are such deep values in our society which are now breaking because um it, i mean it got us far but it's not going to get us any further the planet is burning and nobody's happy and even even we as men although we we should be like the, the crown jewel piece of these patriarchal economic systems we're not having a great time so it's all a bit like me in, in Soho House with the only one with facial hair left. I feel like it's the same thing again, where actually it's all up for grabs. But before it's decided for us, I really think we have to figure ourselves out and sort of be the masters of our destiny. And um, yeah, yeah. When you, when you when you say figure ourselves out, do you mean as individuals or just as a collective kind of? Caucasian kind of, you know, middle-aged fathers. So is that an individual thing or is that a collective thing? There's so many. It's a bit like an onion, right? It's sort of, and the, the, the book that I wrote was very much focusing on what I know, and that's what's, you know, the acronym is WEIRD, white, educated, um, industrial, once again, educated, rich. It's your book. Uh, yes, I've got Weird. a copy here. If you want to see? <laughs> no, it's uh, um, it's white, educated, rich, and democratic, and it's um, yeah. and within that, I went a bit deeper. But I think the biggest thing what I found whilst doing all this research um, was that we're humans first, and I think at the moment, you know, we spent so much time, especially as in the matriarch, the patriarchal system separating men from women, old from young, and putting them all into boxes. And we've kind of forgot that when we wake up, when we're born and we open our little eyes, we are human first, right? Mm. So I think it's really important to kind of go, well, what do I like for breakfast? And who do, who do I, what do I love? What I don't love? And I think the self-awareness of who I am, besides my gender and what my gender brings, is really important. I mean, super important. Mm. And it sounds so obvious, but... You, surprising how in school already you, you're almost like you're a boy first, then you're human. And I think um, there's a lot to be said to kind of actually to refine who am I as a human. And within my research, and quite often when, you, when you're digging around that area, you quite, quite quickly come to the mind, body, and soul connect and like, well, what does my body like? What does my soul like? You know, what gets me stimulated in my intellect? You know, and it's but then there is something that I stumbled across, which I found could be the key of us um, discovering ourselves as fathers and as men. And that we have, uh, um, Dunborough found out that we have a limited amount of human connections that we can actually enjoy. Oh, and it's yes. this magical 150. Yeah. So, yeah. and after, if you... If you, let's say, for some people it's 100 and some people could be 200, but if you have a limited amount of people that you can actually have an emotional connect with, 
it should be seen as a larger extension to your physical body because it's you know it's it's clearly very uh, important to to us and um if we weren't social creatures you know we wouldn't be you know in lockdown during a pandemic mm. or you know we wouldn't use mm. to- um you know isolation as a form of torture so clearly this need for us to connect with this certain amount of people that are around us anyway is an innate human um condition good condition right mm-hmm. and i think um and if you first of all find out who you are as a human rather than a man and then how you as a human connect to your 150 and who are they um i think you're actually trying you 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 figure out what your microcosm is and if everybody identifies their microcosm and leans into that microcosm they um in the book I, I talk more about finding flow and you know it's that you know when you when you're throwing a barbie and you're having a bit of banter and actually not much has happened but it's mm. thoroughly nourishing not only the food but the emotional moment mm. and i think that there's so much joy and satisfaction that can be found within those communities that um we then don't uh become so susceptible or so vulnerable to you know the big um machines of commodity you know where you want to oh i need to buy the next race car or yeah. you know there's this yeah. there's this branding there's this uh, branding category that always makes me laugh it's mammal middle-aged men in lycra you know they're all wearing (laughs) (laughs) but they're all clearly targeting this this us we're a bit Mm. lost sheep and it's like well if you're feeling lost anyway buy a bike and cycle away (laughs) yeah done that (laughs) yeah but but i think there's there's two really really interesting things in all of that well there's a lot of really interesting things but it's that fundamental thing that we don't often do which is to sort of go take that step back that in, in you know introspection and go what are the things i need what are the things that make me happy as a person and as you say for my mind my body my soul you know we don't do that and it's like we've only got a certain amount of time on this on this particular planet you know and you know it feels without sounding new age, but to have spent time looking at that myself, you know, and consider the things that are important to you, it feels like, um, you know, an exception rather than real, you know, it's not, it's like, you know, the kids perhaps at school should be taught to think about, well, to start thinking about what their, 100%. their purpose, their, what, what they want to do. 100%. You know? I mean, I'm married to a psychotherapist and we had a the, the beginning thought like tens tens of 20 years ago and it was about <clears throat> children leave school and they know everything about how a volcano works maths history yeah, yeah but they if you ask them about their emotional landscape they're like I don't know you know I like yeah. crisps you know yeah. it's like really <laughs> so we're always like there should be a curriculum built about emotional geography where you at least learn the basics like am I introverted am I extroverted and I think um, what is really what is really really important. I think everybody is sort of born with their own constellation of what I'm good at, where I'm sort of you know I need to lean into my community for help because I'm not so good at it. So if I'm good at throwing a barbecue, let me do the barbecues in on the street or with my community. And if somebody's good with tax returns, please help. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and but you know, I, I just don't. I think so. So often, you know, people are sort of for it's square, square pig, square pig, <laughs> square forcing a square pig into a round hole. It's, it's very that's, square that's pig. That's where we're all going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm messy, square lamp. <laughs> but you know, yeah. um, um, but you know, I think I think so often, you know, we we force people into doing stuff that you know that that that's not actually genuinely right for them, and, and because they don't, they're not aware, they're not as aware as they should be, they just go along with it, you know, and that's that's kind of you know, I think that that happens constantly, you know. I'm I'm working I'm through Andy I'm, I'm I've just started mentoring someone um and I've worked with quite a few companies on a consultancy basis where you kind of they do one thing as a bread and butter role and then they feel guilty about the thing that they're really good at that they also could make a business out of but they feel guilty about that because it, it doesn't you know no one's ever sat down and go and, and gone. Do you, well, do you want to run this creative agency or do you want to make computer games? You know, and and there's a guilt that creeps in. You know, and, and I think I think we don't we don't look inward enough, and we don't have that confidence enough to go. Yes, yeah, I it. You know, that is what I want to do, and that that is true to me. And uh, you know, the, the, the other thing I was going to say. I think that's really interesting is that one 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 fifty number and I think as you say in the book it's the it's the people you wouldn't feel embarrassed about um going up to at a bar and having a having a conversation with and you start sort of writing that down and there's you know there is you think oh god surely I don't know 150 people that, are, that fit that category but knowing looking at those that that group of people and split it splitting it as you say between those that are closest familiar family or you know family and <laughs> yeah the clan and then the, the 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 kind of the on the other extreme the muse the people that you go to for particular interests and what have you and then in the middle it's the the horde the the horde yeah and 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 you have kind of looking at your purpose and the things you're good at and the things you can provide like the doing the bar doing the barbecue or doing the accounts for each of those groups, what is it that you contribute best to them? And again, when you talk about it, it feels like quite a um, a natural thing we should all be aware of. And we're not, you know. But the, the the process of thinking about those people and thinking about the things you do best with those people is quite, you know, quite liberating. You know, it's like and and I'm just go. You know what? I'm 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 good at this. It, with that set of people or I'll lean on these these people for that sort of support or help. But I think it, um, it goes even deeper that once within that group of people, if you start showing your vulnerability and showing like I'm very good at this and I'm not so good at that, not only have, have you got a higher chance of reaching flow and like really like, you know, when you lose track of time because you're having such a good time, mm, but also yeah. that, that, those, that community around you leans into you because of what you bring. Because when you... When you come with flow, you become infectious. You know, mm. people want to hang out mm. with people who are in flow because they are the type of people who feel like they're really comfortable in their own skin, right? Because they just yeah. are and they're just being. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah. especially for us men, where quite often in school we're kind of, you know, going back to the mind, body, and heart. It's like, boys are not in the heart. You could be in the body and be strong, or you need to be intellectual, <clears throat> to be good at sciences. Yeah. And I think that's what you said yeah. earlier about people 
fulfilling their dreams and the things that they enjoy and earn their salary, mm. it's like they're in the heart space. They're not in the intellect, in the body space. And just boys don't go there, right? And it's mm. and that's yeah. where the guilt comes up. Mm. I've been making yeah. a few notes as you've been speaking there. And sometimes it takes a while for things to land with me, you know, and I'll digest it. Usually I'll go away and probably have a glass of wine over it and a week later go, ah, I get it now. But something landed immediately, mm. what you said there, Bo, and that was emotional nourishment. And I've not heard that mm. phrase before. So thanks for that. And it kind of makes a lot of sense that in previous podcasts we've been talking about community. And I think that's something which is definitely missing. It's been highlighted during the pandemic yeah. without doubt. But mm. also from a personal perspective, yeah. there's, you know, I, I do have hoard and muse, but that, you know, that that closer troop of people, if you like, or those people who are really close. I'm close to a lot of people, but I, I think especially recently, it's understanding what can people do for me and what can I do for them? And you mentioned about vulnerability as well. Um, and when somebody wants help, I'm, I'm all over that. I'll help you as much as you want. But very rarely do we as as weird white males go, I need help. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's that's a huge part yeah. of the problem because we need to feel valued. Mm. And I love to feel valued. And the times when I've said, you know what, I do need some help right now, immediately people are swarming around you. You know, what do you need? Do you want to chat? Do you want to go for a walk? Do you need mm. some money? You know, can I do something for you? And I think that's something we've innately stopped doing, particularly over the last generation or so where we have become dependent on technology for these interactions and less about doing what we've referred to before going to a barbecue going to a pub and seeing your mates and before we had the internet I, I, well i used to live in a pub when my dad had a pub um we lived in um, a social club as well and before the internet if you needed anything you just go to the pub you know, do you know a plasterer? Do you know a plumber? Do you know somebody who fixed cars? Do you know somebody who can get me this and somebody who can get me that? You just go to the pub and that was your search engine. It was as simple as that. So, <laughs> I, I don't know how to do clutches on a Mondeo, but Phil does. And it was as simple as that. I don't mean <laughs> You get me? Yeah. And, and yeah. Bo's great at this, but, you know, so. Andy's crap at that. Yeah. Don't ask him, but see this guy for that. Andy, you should, start, you should start a new search engine called a pub. I would be the first one to sign up. <laughs> Pub. Well, I'm, I'm I'm seeing Phil now registering that on GoDaddy there. So. <laughs> but it, the difference is, then you'd have loads of people chasing you around the pub to say, "Oh, have you thought of this?" Or <laughs> just, I mean, I, I'll often go into, I'll, I'll go from like up there, right, super positive, to let's go grim and go dark, and somehow I don't even know how, but most conversations go down to death for me. And, I, and I've said before, like, I think death is actually quite a beautiful thing because it means there's been life, which is the other side of the same coin. But unfortunately, I lost a friend a couple of weeks ago to suicide. Mm. And he was part of our, our triathlon club. He belonged in the triathlon club, but really struggled in isolation. Now, um, he hasn't shared all of this publicly because the problem was he couldn't. And I know lots of other people mm. from uh, suicide prevention groups that I've, you know, I've facilitated at and spoke at um, because there was a time when I thought I should just end my life because I had no value to anyone financially mm. was, was the big driver. I wasn't bringing in the bacon. Um, I felt redundant as a father. 
And I know lots of men feel the same. You know, there's, you know, it's that feeling lost quite often. And, and this is why males are generally more susceptible to taking their own life, you know, to make that decision. It's feeling lost. And I think what you've just spoke, spoke about there about emotional nourishment and working out who you are in life is that there's that much choice. And because mm. of the fact that our, our forefathers or previous generations had a completely different society to live in, it was mapped out for them quite straightforwardly. You know, you'd had a lot less choice in your life. You know, you'd go into the military, yeah. you get a job. If you weren't very good, you'd be in the door for a while, claim something, reskill, and then get a job. Now it's, what but, do you do? Do you go into further but education? But that's the beauty. But that's the beauty because <clears throat> our, our dads had to function, right? Mm. And it's, it's very difficult. Mm. I mean, you could argue that being a tool to an economy is quite simple and therefore fine. Um, but if you think if you scratch the surface, it's quite dark too. But we have the opportunity not mm. to be a tool, but we, we have the, op- the chance to live, right? To really excel mm. at being dads and men. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, um, going, going back to, to your story, I had a lot of... Um, of my male friends, we spoke about that, that sort of everybody was on this social carousel. We're like, on Tuesdays, I go to the pub with those people. And then on Wednesday, I go to the gym with those people. And then one year of lockdown and all those, that routine broke apart. Mm-hmm. And it said a lot of people yeah. had very, a very different set of friends that they were actually regularly zooming with. They were actually much more nourishing. Back pre-pandemic, they didn't have them in their routine as much as they should have. So I take that as a bit of a good news coming out of the pandemic. Yeah, mm. I think so. Yeah, I think so. That's that. We've 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 almost because <clears throat> because we've not had those sort of more flippant outlets for jokey banter and whatnot. But you know, we've we've perhaps been a bit more open. I mean, certainly Andy and Dave. Through, through these, I mean, we wouldn't probably be doing these podcasts pre-pandemic. Well, I certainly wouldn't feel so open about talking about some of the issues that I've, I've faced in life. So maybe people have kind of taken this as an opportunity to recalibrate, reconnect with people and, and, and be more vul- vulnerable, you know, and be, be okay about that. Because, I mean, you know, we've all been very vul- vulnerable over the pandemic, you know, so then to be a bit more open and 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 <clears throat> you know and andy's andy's friend there that you know that's yeah, it's it's tragic and awful isn't it and and that and that sort of really underlines that thing about you know we we don't open up we don't talk you know it's that's still a even though we're getting better i think as a society there's still that patriarchal thing of i'm all right i don't need help whether that's with my Mondeo clutch or whether that's with my inner thoughts, you know, um, there is still that, you know, thing that kind of still happens, you know, and that, and that's and maybe just this whole idea of being more open to those around you and to realising what you get from them and what they get from you and making that effort to just the realisation that you've got this, bunch of people in your life and, and and actually it isn't just about the ones that you go to the pub with or you know or, or, or the gym or what have you you know there is much more to do and, and I really like this concept of them also almost 
being, you know, biologically part of your life, you know, because they do, they all have an influence, don't they? And we just don't think about it like that. Um, there's an analogy in the book about the trees in the forest, where the trees in the forest exist almost in 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 a kind of synergistic kind of way that everything in the forest feeds off itself. The forest can. can we do now sound very new age, but you know, read the book. You know, but but it's true. But that's how it works, isn't it? The the, the you know the 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 trees are able to coexist with other trees and the rest of nature. No, but um, asked, the reason so why the reason why in the book it, I kind of go quite new age and sort of hippy dippy, <laughs> um, or what my mates would say. What have you been smoking? Um, it's, um, <laughs> he's been on the mugwort tea <laughs> but it's ultimately what I'm really what I was really focusing on going back to my sort of like oh my god my son, my son is 10 and I need to teach him something and a lot of the stuff that we're talking like at our age we even have a hard time wrapping our heads mm. around it but I can, I can sit down with my son and kind of say your friends are your roots you know your, your mind is the canopy so it's just it's a very simple picture for intergenerational, you know, uh, teaching or exchanging. And sort of, I wrote a second book afterwards for how do you, the concept that I wrote in the first book, how do you give them on to the next generation? So they're much more mm -hmm. simplified, much more fairy tale, because it is actually, it's the weird thing is it's totally simple that you almost can't believe it's so revolutionary. Yeah. And it's, mm. but then again, it's very deep and it's a very weird mix yeah. of, um, and that's why I kept on trying to underpin it with something that people can hold on to even in the pub, you know? Mm. Do, do you think, Bowie, it's partly because we're, we're sort of told otherwise by the system? Sorry, we, we talk about the system quite a bit, you know, we don't mean there's, there's some evil force above us that's making all the decisions and whatnot, but you know the the this the society of system and 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 the you know interconnection of commerce and you know with society you know we we often talk about this idea of just you know consumption of 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 goods you know you you earn money you 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 pay you 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 go and buy whatever the latest phone is or what have you and we don't we don't our our minds, and I do sound new age here, you know, obviously the, the devices, you know, it's commonly, commonly known that devices, you know, and technology firms want to monetize our, um, our, our time, our, our, our attention. Um, and, and is it that we, we just, we just don't have enough, t we're not, the system doesn't allow us enough time to think about these things. The system is more concerned with making us buy, you know, this new brand of washing powder or, you know, or the latest iPhone or what have you. And we just, we're bombarded with stuff, notifications on our phone and, you know, stuff all the time that kind of doesn't give us that space to go, well, actually, what is this all about? And what, what is my legacy? How will I, you know, how will I shape my, my kids? So I've got two sides. One is sort of like the system is nasty, right? 
Um, mm. But we built the system, so I can't blame the system. So, yeah. but I also think in, in civilization and the, the life cycle of civilizations and Rome and the 70s and the 80s, I think we are transitioning. And I think um, mm. in order, as Andy said, in order to make new way for the new, something has to give, something has to die. So I think we are in a death process. And that's why we can have these chats that we're having, because we are in the process of something leaving us, and we are about to identify the new one. And, you know, Amazon just wants to do business with us. But if you are only going to purchase goods that support your 150 in your community, so the thing, how you lean into the system and how it nourishes your environment will dictate what the new systems, the new models will look like. You know, so if they if they want to yeah. be, if they want to support, if they want to be in your private time and want to do business there, well, they better start getting very good at delivering barbecues because that's all I'm going to be doing. And you know what? But that's where the new system and the new world can work together. Um, going back to the pandemic, I mean, only 15, 50 years ago, if this would have happened, we wouldn't have been so agile with how we fought it and how we, you know, track ourselves. And, it's, you know, you can always say doom and gloom. But now for the first time, we can actually truly battle a pandemic because of the information highways and trade highways we've built. So it's not all about mm. running away from and breaking it, but it's about informing it what you want with your life. Because if you don't know what you want with your life, you're vulnerable. And then when you're vulnerable, the systems start preying on you. Not because they want to, because it's the only way they know how to. And if you are leaning into your community, then you're not so vulnerable because you have your, they have your back, you know. And I think that's where, without making an oversimplified magic wand, but I think if we all lean more into our 150, into our communities, then, you know, we can tackle these complex issues of global warming and racism and Me Too, because they're big old subject matters, right? And um, yeah. now I'm ranting. Sorry. Go for it. <laughs> no, it's not we do uncut. Yeah. It sound, I mean, yeah. the way you described it, uh, the system that is, sounded like Frankenstein. You know, we've created this monster which could mm. actually kill us mm. or it could serve us if we yeah. treat it like a child, you know, and, and nourish it and show it some love, you know. So this system could actually be a huge benefit for us, but it. You can see why people are so scared of it as well. Totally. Yeah. But it's a perfect analogy. Frankenstein, because, you know, there's a lot of heartache in that story. Mm. And I think that um, I, I consider myself very lucky that I can walk on this planet and I have an entire universe in my pocket and I can call any... I mean, mm. it's magic. It's totally mm. magic. Yeah. But then there is dark magic and then there is light magic, right? So, and I think in order for you to, you know move towards the light to be very esoteric you kind of go this this is what i want with my life and this is where i'm going to then these tools are magic like you know sitting here on doing this recording from three different locations with four different people yeah. talking it's it's mental but, it but it's magic, beautiful it? yeah it is it's, magic and it is something it is. something well, we spoke about in the past is that we are so fortunate to live in this time with all this magic around us, you know, you go back 
30, 40 years ago, and you'd think you were completely on drugs if you described what we yeah. have in our life. And not just not just yeah. the things we've yeah, just yeah. imagined and created in, you know, in that in, in, in that lifetime. But just how lucky we are. You know, I, I, I've joked in the past that my grandparents mm. went, they freaked out when they had a banana. Like, this is <laughs> this is witchcraft. How did you get this thing from the jungle to my hands? This doesn't happen. You know, we we I'm talking about my mum my was evacuated during the war and lived on rations as a child, you know, and you go even further back and the heartache that people had and what they had to live off and how they survived and look at us now. Yeah. But the other side to that coin is we're the most miserable generation probably in history as a consequence of this choice yeah. and luxury. Yeah. And I think that's put us in such a apathetic bubble that most people just can't be asked to work hard at learning who they actually are it's like everything's produced for you so instagram is you know yeah. and and snapchat tells you how you should live not your parents and it's the power right going back to this idea that um <clears throat> if you look at the life cycle of a human being and i really think that not only is my son entering his rite of passage I think society is because, you know, back in the days, we were all just functioning as tools. We're like kids, we're like, oh, I'm just, I just am going to do this. This is my job. I'm going to, but now I, you know, with the right video clip, I can influence the world. Um, but there's also content available, which is so dark. And I think mm. we just haven't, like a teenager who doesn't quite know what to do with his pocket money or uh, yeah. gets a lager for the first time, or I don't know. We just don't know. What would be quite it's like, it's like being Harry Potter, not understanding that I can do magic. Mm. And you kind of go, and I think this is the process. It comes, you know, because the tools that we've been given are so powerful, it comes with a lot of self responsibility. But if we yeah. only had to function, we haven't learned responsibility. And I think, and it, responsibility is always going back to me. What do I like? And if you're a balanced human being, you like other people's to like you and you want to invest in people and ultimately there is this massive safety net that can capture us as long as we we do good for our 150 mm. and in, if, mm. if everything points to that then not much can go wrong it's, very, it's a big ask mm. um yeah i also come um, from a very sort of <clears throat> and that's why also the trees and the hippy dippy um underpinning is like you know, I do worry about the world and like, you know, global warming. And but it's like, well, how can we get us all off the sort of consumption conveyor belt? Because what's truly nourishing is emotional nourishment is within you and your people. And I think um, if if Amazon would give me the option to purchase just barbecues and for every barbecue I purchase, I pay another tenner and three trees are planted, I would mm. do it. In but the Amazon. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wherever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, um, yeah. I think that's where it's learning the, the magic that we have and then sort of turning it around so it can, um, so I'm optimistic because if it weren't for this mm -hmm. technology, we wouldn't be able to so, yeah. so solve tribal, the climate thing. Um, yeah. But it is scary to be in it. It is, and I'd hate, I'd hate to think that future generations are going to look back at us and go, the most destructive yeah, period of our yeah. existence yeah. was when we were alive. Yeah. 
Yeah. Where actually, you know, the three yeah. of us are probably the probably three of the most caring people you meet, but we're in a generation mm. of we really could make a difference to yeah. the future, of not of of our of, of our you know of our children and, and grandchildren, but every species yeah. on this planet could be as a result of some mm. of the big decisions that we collectively make, and that's terrifying. Mm. And and our yes. future generations didn't have that choice. No, but this is where you know what. Brene Brown's, you know, finding strength and vulnerability mm. becomes so important is that talk. men men don't need to be in control. That's not a function anymore. We can be vulnerable. We can be like, we can sit down going, what the fuck are we going to do? This is mm. not good. Yeah. And I think, but already making that move of I identify it's not right, I can hold that space and I can have discussions around it because from there, ideas can spring. And I think, um, especially because, you know, there is change, but, you know, when you look at the key functions around the global economy are still held by men. So if there's one sort of thing I would say, men need to change, men need to wake up. That's why also the book has a slight leaning towards men, because if all the men would wake up tomorrow and kind of step off their sort of masculine conveyor belt of you know, running economy and consumption, we could do a lot, a hell of a lot. Mm, great opportunity. Um, and yeah, totally. Um, and so let's do it. I wish it was that simple, and I hope it is. Um, I, I've got a feeling, I don't know about you, Phil, but I've got a feeling that Bo's going to come back on again. Um, I, it just feels like we've just... <laughs> We are just literally scratching the surface of this brilliant snow, yeah, and I, I honestly, yeah. I could, I could carry on talking forever. I'm going to get a feeling that the, uh, the, the genius behind Aptic Productions is going to appear soon and tell us, look, you need to stop. Um, so we, what we tend to, what we tend to do uh, on podcasts is to kind of summarise with some things. Um, we often rant, so thanks for ranting. What annoys you, Bo? Can you answer this in a minute or two? What annoys you? What annoys me right now that you gave, uh, you made yourself vulnerable earlier about your mate, and I didn't give it a lot of presence, and I feel bad about that. Oh, I don't feel bad. We'll have a chat later, mm. but thank you. Okay. Um, once again, though, once again, interestingly, as we found last week, last podcast, what we find annoying. Is exactly. Ourselves. Very consistent. Yeah, no, we is, we yeah. and I think that could yeah. be that right of passage you, you talk about. Sometimes we stop blaming yeah. other things and take responsibility ourselves and go, well, you know what? Yeah. I'm the problem, not everything else. Yeah. Um but mm. we, we I think totally. we need to love each other a little bit more. Get that. Um yeah. time time machine question now. Um we've got the enlightened <laughs> bow speaking with the naive bow who doesn't really know what the future mm. holds. Let's go back to, say, twenty twenty one year old Bo. What's what's your advice you're going to give to your to your younger self? I would uh, enforce that every morning when I brush my teeth, after I brush my teeth, I sing Happy Birthday to myself because every day is a new gift. Yeah, that's poetic. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna. Uh, Bo, seriously, this you know this could go on all day, and I, I I'm, and I'm quite comfortable right now, and I've got plenty of coffee around me, so <laughs> tempted. Um, 
But I think from a production perspective, I think we'll get more value yeah, if we ask you gotcha. back on again. Would you come back on the show again? No, I'd love to. I just I feel slightly guilty that I'm sort of hogging it. But, you know, maybe next time. No, no well, we spoke about this before no. because you, you are our first guest and we really do appreciate it. We've been incredibly selective about our first guest. Seriously, there was a full committee yeah. meeting about this. Um, yeah. And we were conscious yeah, yeah. of not... And Bez couldn't make it. No, Bez couldn't, Bez couldn't make, make it. it. Um, Jim next door couldn't make it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we, we, we were conscious of not turning this into an interview, but I'd, I'd just sit here and just ask you questions all day, because you know, I think I think yeah. you, you are kind of on our wavelength, but also you know, on a different wavelength. And, and that's what fascinates yeah. me as well. Um, what, I, what I can, what I haven't spoken about is like for next time I could talk about my because uh, a lot of this unpacking was done with the Nordic shaman in Lapland. Oh, I know. And there's a oh, lot yeah. of stories there that are unbelievable. Even I still can't believe them when I did them. <laughs> Do you remember yeah, them? No. Really? In or fact, did you maybe, just make it up? <laughs> I don't want to remind remember them. <laughs> Gotta hear this. Maybe we need the Nordic shaman on as oh, well yeah. to talk yeah. us through it. What actually happened? <laughs> <laughs> that is that is terrifying. Um, we've oh. in the meantime we've been having uh, emails, people asking us, um, ask this question, um, talk about this topic. We're getting lots of them coming through, so I want to say thank you to to my friend Nick who's uh, sent a few suggestions in. We're going to take those on board. Um, things like you know, where everybody gets super enthusiastic about when you read the next book or you listen to a podcast and then you know, a couple of weeks later you completely forget about it and can't be asked doing anything about it, that kind mm. of thing. Economies of the future is another really interesting thing I think we can we can go into. Um, there are so many things that we're getting, you know, we're, we're getting suggestions about. We're actually producing a film right now on circular economy, which is fascinating. Really? So, okay. Yeah. yeah. And the the uh, the film about the octopus. I love that film. I, I didn't even, I didn't want to talk publicly about that because I thought am I the only weird one who watched this and loved it? No. No, it's brilliant. it's it's. Utterly I mean, brilliant. it's amazing the impact and you know it's one of when you are in wildlife productions, some animals never quite make it, especially animals that have don't have a proper face. They don't really make it on TV. So cephalopods generally don't get any presence. Don't so. It got one, and boy, did it get one. And now people are, you know, changing legislation that nobody knew. And it's sort of, it was an amazing film. Yeah. Yeah, very impactful. Unexpected emotions on that one. I thought, oh, it's going to be about... Yeah. It's going to be about yeah. another another yeah. Amber kind of film. This said the planet. It was not. Yeah. It was much better. No. So, uh, yeah, well done on that one. Um, thank you, thank you. Yeah, so what do you reckon, Phil? Does, 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 Bo, get the, does, does Bo get the job? Definitely, yeah, definitely. Oh, does this leave Dave? Definitely, if he's up for a returning, <laughs> absolutely. And don't, I mean, yeah, no, it's been great. It's been great. It's so aligned to what mm. we've, we've been talking about. And obviously, if anyone does want to buy Bo's, back, Bo's book, we utterly recommend it. And it is available on, on the aforementioned Amazon. If you bung them a few more quid, they might uh, plant a tree at the same time. But it's called Wake Up, Rise and, and also, Shine. It, it's, it's not, it's not a money-making thing. So all the money I do make goes back into printing books and handing them out for free. So it's not... Uh, it's just a message that needs to go. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it's last orders now. So uh Okay. <laughs> ding 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 ding. <laughs> so guys, thank you so so much. Because this is like it's a it's a it's a holy space, right? Because 
you three are mates and to be uh, invited as a cold fish, so to speak. Um, and it's sort of, so thank you for showing that vulnerability and creating the space for us to talk about stuff. Lovely. Great to meet you again, Bill. Cheers, Cheers Phil. Thank you very much. Thanks Have a great again. week. Cheers. Catch you on the other side of Copmasters. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed us talking COD, please give us a rating, leave us a review in your podcast app and subscribe now. Quick shout out to the guys at DapDip Productions, the folks pushing the buttons behind the scenes. Check them out at dapdip.co.uk. And thanks to Rubber Bear for our theme tune, Elements. Find the band on Spotify and SoundCloud. We'll see you next time for more Talking Cod.